this way that I can, we can live in this sort of spiritually connected place. But then it's just so hard to be human, you know, be in frustration. To be honest with you, the bridge is honoring that frustration. It literally is honoring and seeing, like, yes, this is hard. It's hard, and that's all I need to do is just acknowledge that it's hard. And that moment of inner recognition that I'm struggling in an emotion is a version of self-love. You're listening to Find the Good News, Episode 118, The Honored Struggle, a Beacon Series conversation featuring Wendy DeRosa, author of Becoming an Empowered Empath, How to Clear Energy, Set Boundaries, and Embody Your Intuition by New World Library. Find the Good News is produced by Parker Brand Creative Services, a branding agency that thinks sideways, pushes forward, and gets your brand up. See what else we do at parkerbrandup.com. Many longtime Good News listeners would likely recall the number of times that I've brought the subject of empathy into these conversations in a very serious way. There have been many times over the past two years where I've felt that I'd exhausted the topic, or rather, exhausted myself, in an attempt to express what being an empath has been like for me. As with most things, I've been exploring the boundary of my own experiences in an attempt to learn through the stories and experiences of others. Being an empath has offered the gift of deep listening and understanding on a level akin to actually feeling what others themselves have experienced. This is a great blessing to others when one is attempting to step into the role of consoler and healer, but it can also feel like a deep ache or heaviness when the wings of an empathetic heart are stretched and burdened beyond their capacity to carry the hurt of others. I, like many who go through life with a naturally empathetic heart, have likely felt a great moaning rise over the past decade or longer. With so much pain and suffering, so much discord, dishevelment, and division, it is often hard to discern one's own feelings from the soup of signals we have moved through. In this conversation with Wendy DeRosa, author of the new book, Becoming an Empowered Empath, How to Clear Energy, Set Boundaries, and Embody Your Intuition, I, for the very first time, have a guest that clearly and openly speaks about the reality of being an empath. Wendy offers helpful perspectives and strong guidance on how to enhance day-to-day living through empathetic gifts while not being consumed by the onslaught of feelings that are often not our own. Through her School of Intuitive Studies, Wendy assists students on their path of self-discovery through guided meditation, breathwork, and energy clearing. Wendy offers insights that bring comfort and healing to the soul. For me, it was an opportunity to open my empathetic heart in a space of safety with an individual that didn't require an explanation of who I am or how I behave. Wendy offered the gift that I so often wish I could give, the gift of a listening ear, an understanding mind, and a loving heart. Now, it's time to enter a space of safety and freedom, freedom to lay your burdens down for a short time, to let go of anything that's causing you grief, especially the pains that most can't see. Take a break from the entanglements of arrangements, habits, and identity, and allow yourself to just feel what you feel. Be with it and know that it's okay. Then, dear listener, tune your attention to this good news beacon and press play on a little good news. Wake up, it's morning. You're dreaming up the story. I can hear the way it's going. Old news, bad news, 
Fake news? Sometimes you want to shut those signals down and seek a better source. With my Find the Good News Beacon series, I tune into good people doing good works wherever I can find them. I scan across the full spectrum of life, seeking out human beings that have turned their dials towards helping others, aligning their time, resources, and talents with goodness, justice, mercy, and love. In each episode, I sync up with the hearts and minds of my extraordinary guests. We have dynamic conversations that invigorate the mind long after our transmission has ended. I discover the critical life experiences that shape them, the perspectives that drive them, and the fundamental beliefs that have anchored them to a path of goodness. There's a lot of background noise in the world. My name is Oren Parker, and I'm cutting through the static to find the good. The first thing I usually ask people to do so I don't mess it up and I make sure everything gets covered is for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, I'm Wendy DeRosa, and I am the founder of the School of Intuitive Studies. I'm also an intuitive energy healer, an empath. I wrote the book, Becoming an Empowered Empath. It's my fourth book I'm very excited about. And um, I teach trainings all over the world, helping people develop their intuition and understand what's going on in their interior on the energetic level with everything, intuition, spiritual growth, um, energy healing, all of it. Yeah, that's excellent. I uh, I want to really ground our conversation. And, and I always think about this before I get into one of these conversations, how what I'm going through in my life always seems to inform the direction of where we're go where we end up going. And lately I've been in this sort of very grounded place. And what I mean by grounded is I'm looking at things outside of the uh as they are. You know, how does whatever I'm learning or whatever I'm reading, how does it apply in a very practical way in the bumpy world you know with all its cracks and fissures and and whatever we're dealing with you know because it's when i'm in a a space where i almost call it like i guess an elevated space where i'm i'm not connected to those realities for me anyway and maybe a lot of people go through this i feel like i end up in a pendulum swing where i'm like i almost want to stay in that elevated space but it's not realistic to be able to do that. And so then I get back down in my real life with all of the things going on in it. And I almost get frustrated with my mm -hmm. everyday existence because it doesn't match up with where I'd like to be or where I or what I feel when I'm able to sort of get into a nice space. And so, and I don't know if I've really expressed that properly. It's a lot more complicated than that, but I want to tie it back around to being an empath because I want to tell you a story to start our conversation. Yeah. And this is what I loved about your book is it just ties directly to what I'm about to tell you. So several years ago, I was at lunch. I was on my way to lunch with my wife and we were driving and we were talking about work was stressing us out we worked together and we were really tired and just I, I could tell i was carrying a lot of stress and she said gosh it's such a beautiful day i'd love to just take off work and just go float on the water and i said to her i said yeah i would love to just be 
just a, a leaf or a stick just on the river, you know. And I could tell, like, that stung her a little bit by her reaction. And she, when we got to lunch, you know, at the table, she tells me, she said, you always say that. You always say, I wish I could be this or that or something. You never just want to be you laying on a, you know, an inner tube floating down the river. You want to be a, a feather or something that doesn't have a thought or a feeling. And I said, well... I, I know, I said, and I guess that's the truth. I said, I, I've, ever since I was a kid, I've been like that. Like I wanted to, like, it's almost like an escape from the identity because an identity was confusing to me and painful even. It, this deviated into a big conversation, but then she, it, I really could tell she was hurting a lot from what I was sharing with her. You know, I was telling her how heavy all the things I carry, you know, and I was getting into the real deep details of that. And so she called me. I was I had to go to a meeting and she called me. She said, you, I went online and I was just thinking about our conversation. I started looking up all these things that you talked about. And she said, and I landed on this information about being an empath. And she said, I honestly think you, and I know this sounds like a, a diagnosis, but she was really like going, I'm worried. And I just go, I think this might be what's going on with you. Like you've been like this for years. And it can be painful and frustrating to her because I don't understand what you're talking about. And so I read the link and I was I sat in my truck on the side of the road and I just wept and wept because I was like, this is this is who I am. This is what I've been dealing with, like my whole life. So it changed me. It changed the way I started looking at me because I was carrying all this stuff and I, I couldn't figure it out. So I read your book, and it's like you really talk about it in such a way that I was just going, yes, yes, yes. Because yeah. you talk so much about childhood and bonding and survival. And anyway, I, I'm looping back. I wanted to tell you that because your book was very helpful wow. for me very personally because it, it begins to give you, the for me anyway, a type of language that I didn't really have like a, a map to begin to look at myself through because I try, you know, you're trying to, we all do. We try to analyze ourselves through all these different lenses and none of it really seems to add up. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's so, it seems so much more complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If there's layers. Oh yeah. It's, it's complex. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a great discovery and it's almost like, um, I don't know. It was like just like a breath of fresh air, to be honest with you, because it was like, oh, finally, you know, a language and a, a way to understand some of these things that have been going yeah. on for so, so long. I think that's fantastic. I mean, it's so great to hear. It's fantastic. I mean, just that it's that you're able to um, even put words to your experience and to be able to um, link you know, create that link to being an empath, because this is, you know, I think a lot of people are sitting in the inner experience of, um, you know, I have all these deep feelings and I don't know how to get connection for these deep feelings that are going on. And, and so, um, you know, some people, it is, it can be an escape. It can be for some people, it can, it can accelerate into addiction or it can go into, you know, it can go into depression. It can go into other mental health issues when we're sitting with an immense amount of 
emotions, really. It's like history in our body that needs to be seen and connected and processed with. But what's so interesting about empaths specifically is that as much as empaths will say, I you know, I am an empath, therefore I feel all the energy of other people. Empaths have this very innate, inherent gift inside where, you know, I really believe they're not, they're in some ways paving the way in our consciousness evolution because they're not willing to sit in non-transparency anymore. Mm. You know, they're not willing to sit in inauthenticity. They're not going to bubble, sit at the surface and, and or, you know, sit in surface conversations. I mean, sometimes they have to, we do, we're all human beings, but you know, they're, they're the deep divers. They, they want, they have a rich world inside. And, um, you know, I think that that's, that's a gift for the empath where the book comes in so useful i think for people is that you know there's the empath who feels the energy of other people and then there's the overly empathic experience which basically means i have this field around my body and energy has crossed over that field into my body. So it, it, that's essentially the overly empathic experience. And, and there's sort of reasons why that part happens. Not every empath needs to be overly empathic or, or, or you know, cursed with right. this ability. But it's an invitation to understand why is that happening. And that's where the book sort of takes us you just use the word that i used to use uh cursed i mean i, mm -hmm. I used that for many years you know because i i didn't have a language for it and i really believed that about myself i truly did that i was cursed to and i'm sure other people i know other people have expressed this and felt this way and not wasn't weren't sure what was going on but it was as if well, and it hasn't really changed. I won't say that it has changed, but it's awareness of it has changed. The feeling of there's this great deep sorrow and pain all around just all the time. And it in the last years, it felt like it was just getting more heavy and dense. And I was having a hard time and I didn't know. I, you know, some of it I thought was, am I just why? I thought it was perception. You know, that what, like I was cursed to perceive the world this way. But what was strange and I never could explain or articulate was I have this deep love for everything in this world at the same time. But how does that marry with all this pain? It was like the pain came from the love at the same time. Yeah, but it didn't always feel like it belonged to me either. I mean, I, I remember feeling like I, I've often said I was just meant to see it. Like, I don't know why, even as a boy, I would say I was just meant to see it. You know, like this was just for me to see and feel it, even though it didn't belong to me, it had no connection to me. And as I'm reading your book, you know, and, and other discoveries in the last few years, I'm like, man, this is something I just wish that I had been told as a child, especially I would have felt a lot more, um, less alien, you know, mm -hmm. that was a feeling mm -hmm. I felt mm -hmm. as a young person. A lot was not belonging. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, in that that combination of, you know, the expansion of connection to love and my, maybe that self, maybe that spirit, maybe that's life, you know, you know, the, the divine, you know, whatever the, that is coinciding with the, um, you know, the, the, the suffering, the pain, the, the heavy in the body. I mean, one of the things you said is so, um, is so true and relevant for people, which is that sometimes the energy that we're holding not just current, m- not really that current, actually, more historic in the body wasn't ours to begin with. You know, and, and, and what that does is it brings in, you know, it, again, one of some of the pieces I go into in the book is understanding our energetic anatomy. You know, we it's not something we learned about in school you know we learned about all the other systems the nervous system circulatory circulatory etc but it's but this energetic system is in our body underlaying the nervous system and it feels the energy that's going on around it absorbs it carries imprints of what our life experiences were on a soul level, on a human level, you know, it carries a lot of information. And so what it, what, you know, what it starts to open up when we have that awareness is, is okay. So there's a deeper self for me to understand around my energetic body and there's energy to clear that isn't ours, or maybe it is now, because it's been there you know, yeah. for so long, but maybe it wasn't in the beginning. Maybe it was an energy we internalized, you know, as, as children. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was thinking, I didn't think it was going to come up, but uh, you, you, what you just said, it, it aligns with something I was thinking about in anticipation of our talk today. My wife and I have been paddling a lot this summer, and... You know, our our vehicles, our kayaks are fairly new, but I've noticed when I unload them, the bottom has all these scratches and gouges and and residue. And what's crazy is I'm like, you know, when I'm riding on it and I'm paddling along, I don't see any of that stuff. I don't feel it hitting the, the vehicle. But then when I pull it out of the water, I'm like, gosh, it's hitting all this stuff under the water that I just can't see. And then I take it home with me. You know, and I thought that's very similar to the way I feel empathically a lot of times when I go out into the world. Like I'm going, I didn't know that I was picking up all these gouges and nicks and it doesn't feel like it almost initially, but it's like a feeling of uh, exhaustion almost later. You know, after yeah. the fact, like, man, I just got to like get away. I, gotta, I need some time. You, yeah. I've heard you talk yeah. about that, actually. Uh and I was thinking about that too, the power of the word no. I used to never say no. I said yes to everything and I would just wear myself out in that regard energetically, not realizing mm-hmm. and I've learned to that just taking a minute and saying, I know I need to stop right here before I commit and go any further and give myself time to like process before I go in because I'm not healthy energetically. If I do go yeah. straight in to situations. Yeah. And is the no overriding or I should say is the yes overriding the yes to self. Right. You know, sometimes that happens is that, you know, the, the, the saying 
saying yes all the time or, or being open. And I'm, you know, I really want to be helpful. I really want to, you know, I, I care about people. Again, these are inherent traits of an empath. They inherently care about humanity and people and, you know, goodness on the planet and wanting to help people and be helpful. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I mean, I was going to say there's some things going on in the lower chakras, which um, I can explain if it's helpful in terms Please. of why we develop this way. You know, it's why, um, th yeah, there's just some characteristics relating to our power in our body. So essentially, um, in our energetic system, we have our, we have, these power centers called chakras and they house they house our power i mean they house who we're here to be and different qualities and characteristics of our um of our grounding our attachment and way we're engaging in the world and and they also carry a lot of wounds and the lower chakras are the more empathic power centers. The upper chakras are a little more, I call them the upper clairs, mm. like clairvoyant, clairaudient, gotcha. okay. you know, sort of like channeling, downloading, higher calling, higher mission, divine. Lower chakras are about being in the world. And what's interesting is empathic intuition, it relates to clairsentience in the body. It's the only um, sense in the body that is really more horizontal it's more about humanity it's more about it, it shows up in relationship with humanity with people and our relationships but what happens you know with little sensitive beings that are born into the human experience is that they you know they're born into this a family of origin and that family of origin is um sort of superimposed by it's just like that's a system and then it, it out of it's it's um surrounded by other systems yeah. and those systems might be cultural they might be political they might be school they might be religion it might be you know there's just other systems holding a family system mm. and so that influence in, into a little sensitive being who's learning how to be in the world forms us in our survival and our attachment and our belonging here on this earth. And when we're raised in environments where the, whether it's the family system or the cultural system that says things like, it's not okay to have your emotions, especially for men, boys need to man up. You know, you can't, you know, you got to be tough. All that conditioning that that gets, you know, that gets um, projected. And then, of course, what do you do? Of course, you have to internalize it. Of course, you have to bond and survive in the family system. You're going to take it and be with it and, and, and internalize it. And what that does is it creates that when we start to take in these different beliefs, and about how to exist in the world, and we've absorbed them, we have to, we have this internal conflict inside eventually that says, but 
I actually think and feel this way, but I'm told it's not okay to think and feel this way, but I can't stop this anger from coming up. I can't stop these emotions. I must be bad and wrong mm. for having these authentic feelings that are rising because the system says it's not okay. I'm going to be punished if I have this anger. I'm going to be shamed, whatever it is. Well, to a little empathic being, and this I'm saying this, you know, for I just said it in terms of little boys, but it's it's across, I mean, in all gender, all genders, sure, you know. Yeah. And so what happens in the in the energetic system is that the root chakra at the base of the spine is this power center for safety and trust and belonging and grounding here. Well, that power center starts to contract when we don't feel safe in being who we are and who we're inherently here to be, and so it contracts. And so at that contraction at that point, we don't have enough grounding force inherently in the body to source that power center. And so the second chakra just above it is the empathic power center of the body. Its job is to feel the subtle and everything that's going on underneath the table, what does it do? It has to compromise. It has to compensate for safety. It essentially blows open, and it starts to become hypervigilant and pay attention to what everybody else needs mm. and meet those needs. And that's where people-pleasing comes in, and that's where patterns like codependency or patterns like I, I have to disconnect from myself and meet the needs of other people and we and and empaths what we'll do is we'll inherently over caretake everyone else but at the with a contracted root chakra and a disconnection like literally the soul is lift higher in the body to survive this feeling of I can't be grounded in who I am. And so that pattern repeats itself throughout life for empaths. Whether from the heart chakra upward, we want to be doing that or not. <laughs> the lower body has its own operating system. And it's part of our spiritual path to find ourselves again. You know, to get grounded, like you said. Like, like grounding is an iterative process. We don't come out of the womb grounded. We come out of the womb bonded to mom through the umbilical cord. And through stages of life, we start to develop grounding and autonomy or we don't, you know, and we live higher up in the body. But when we start to turn towards self and say, okay, something's going on here. I need to pay attention to me and what I need. That alone is a, is a step towards grounding into self and feeling self and getting back into the root chakra and, and allowing safety and love and trust for who we are. And that starts to shift these patterns in the body of over, over caretaking or giving self away or becoming energetically, you know, porous. There's more to it, but that's, that's a lot. <laughs> Long-time Find the Good News listeners know that we often meander into topics on spirit, mysticism, religion, and wisdom traditions. 
If you are interested in these topics, I encourage you to seek out my new podcast, The Dawn Deacon with Brother Oren. On The Dawn Deacon Podcast, I consider my small place in the whole of creation, asking the old questions that have perplexed human beings for ages. Why are we here? Is there a reason for our existence? How do we balm our sufferings, enlighten our minds, and awaken our hearts? Are there powers, energies, and realities just beyond our ability to comprehend them? On the Dawn Deacon Podcast, I share the teachings, practices, and perspectives I have gathered as I've made my varied, sacred, ordinary way. I hope you'll join me at the Dawn Deacon Podcast so that we can traverse this landscape together. Just search The Dawn Deacon with Brother Oren in your favorite podcast app or search engine, then subscribe. Wendy, I'm sitting here. You can see me. Obviously, I'm smiling and shaking my head because you just described my life. I mean, that's ever I'm going, wow, how is this possible? I mean, because it is the way it is. It's the way it has been. Even childhood, especially the stuff you're talking about. I, I'm hearing you talk and I'm going, this speaks. This is exactly how I behaved. Exactly. Even things that I I used to say I had I, I used to tell people I have social anxiety because I thought it was social anxiety. I have discovered it is not social anxiety because people go, but you're so social. You you have no trouble. I have no trouble talking to you, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have no mm-hmm. trouble talking to most people. It's not. I like being social, but what I would find myself doing is looking for the safe spots in a crowd or in a room or in a space. And it wasn't. I mean. It was, and it wasn't just based on the actual physical things going on. It was always like I need to get where I feel right in here, and that is, that yeah. was very difficult for me for a long time. And it was a combination of things. It was a combination of some childhood trauma that had lots of impact on the way I perceived the world. And I, I even wanted to ask you this today because I it, it keeps kicking around in my head. You know, we, we seem to be, um, we're bonded with our mothers, as you say, you know, mm-hmm. and we have this energy body, right? Even even when we're in the womb, right? This energy body's there, this empathic sense or ability. We're almost, to me, it sounds like we're almost all that. I mean, it's really more that. And then mm-hmm. we come out into the world and at some point, some of us tend to either quell that or push that down, and then others it just becomes more raw. But what what makes the difference? I mean, see, for me, I, I look back and I go, well, was there something or some things that just kept happening in that family dynamic and situationally that as a young person, it just started imprinting and it was like keys unlocking? I didn't even know. Is that what happens? Or, I mean, it could be anything. You know- I don't know. I mean... It really can be, and it's different for different people, as you're saying. You know, the empathic sense is one of the first senses that develops in the womb, the clairsentient sense, because that is our form of communication. It's through the sentient body. We feel the vibration of the mother, you know, of movement in, you know, in the womb. Um when we're born into the the human experience, we also take in through our sentient body information that helps us orient in how we're going to be. And some people are come into this world and they are inherently strong lower chakra people. That means that 
they actually do have a gift for grounding. Their presence actually grounds other people. Hmm. They have the capacity to be in intimate relationships. They're loyal. They're relationship people. They might be... Um, they might be more creative, more um, fine with, you know, connected conversations. They might also um, be okay in social environments or feel that there is a, they have a big personality, a large personality and are okay in the world in social interactions. And someone might come into the world like that inherently with strong lower chakras, but be raised in an environment where they're told those parts of them are not okay. Or, or, you know, basically they're what, what it happens is they're, we get messaging that our emotions are not okay. And that's what tells us we are not okay. And that's kind of where this, these patternings start to happen is through fear and shame. Yeah. And when we get enough of it, it shapes us. Some people inherently are, their gift in this world is more upper chakras. They might be the visionaries, the seers, the um, communicators, the expressors, the megaphones, the teachers, you know, the, the, um, they might come into the world with really strong heart chakras, even though upper or lower body, you know. And some people come in bo with both, like very inherently that their power centers in their body, upper and lower chakras are strong. And someone who's raised in an envir environments where there's trauma, it's either, you know, it can be, I don't want to make this absolutely concrete because there's lots of poss possibilities here, but it's very possible that for a child to survive the trauma, they have to escape to their upper chakras. And when we do that, we become susceptible in the lower chakras to taking on energy. Mm. At the same time, some people might stay in their lower body and work out a lot of their empathic dynamics and, and, um, intuitive awarenesses through their relationships with people hmm. you know it's it's really that th th what it is comes down to is our power centers in our body are connected to our gifts for example i have a strong throat chakra it's not the only strong chakra or weak chakra in my body but my throat chakra since i was born i was a singer i was a speaker i had clear i had words very young i wrote books i could public speak. That was a gift that I came into this world with. And so out of the gift of my throat chakra, higher guidance started to open up, you know, being able to teach at the same time. I also have strong lower, lower, you know, a lower chakra that's stronger, you know, and so some people come into the world with strong power centers and those are the power centers that are going to be what they, how they actualize their gifts into this world. Interesting. I don't know, does that oh, your yeah, no, totally. And I mean, it just opens up so much more. I mean, it's something you said earlier, yeah. right? And it gets into what you're just talking about, about the higher chakras. You said, you know, some people feel like they can't be ground or I can't be grounded in who I am. And I was like, yeah. ding, ding, ding. I, I remember, I can remember very well when that began for me. Uh, you know, yeah. 20, 20 plus years ago when I was like, I can't be grounded in who I am because who I am is not okay. 
And I was just sitting on the porch talking with my wife about this last night. We we're having a really great conversation. And I told her, I said, I'm actually thankful for that time period because, because I wasn't grounded in my identity anymore. Like I couldn't be in that whatever I thought I had been. I, I was not comfortable there. I raised my head almost up and looked into like this mysterious place. And that was basically what I, the way I felt. I was like, I, I, I quit looking down in this thing I was uncomfortable with, and I looked up. And when I looked up, it was like this great mystery sort of opened up. And it did exa- exactly as you said. It was like wisdom and love and mercy and compassion and insight and intuitiveness all kind of flowed in. I spent a lot of time there, though. And now, you know, I'm 46, you know, I was 21 at that time and I'm 46. And now I'm looking down at the tree trunk going, okay, I've been up here and I wrapped my, my arms around it. And my whole identity was kind of up here, but I've got to get comfortable with being on the ground. Like just take the shoes off and like, look at those feet that are down there. That's how I feel right now. Like I've, I've got to be grounded in myself. Like, go back and take a look at who I've lived here. I need to be down here. Some I've got to get a grasp on that. I don't know if that makes sense. It just seems to align with what you're talking about though. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. And to thread it back to something you said at the beginning, when you you were saying, you know, there's, there's this way that I can, we can live in this sort of spiritually connected place. That's my language. I don't think you use a different (laughs) language. Um, but then it gets so, you know, it's just so hard to be human, you know, be in frustration. And to be honest with you, the bridge is honoring that frustration. Yeah. It's I like, love that. Yeah. okay, I get to have a tantrum, <laughs> right. but some days I don't want to do the dish. <laughs> God, yes. Right. <laughs> I don't want to have, yeah, I don't want to be taking out the trash and have 50,000 things to do today. Like yeah. that, I'm going to throw, I need to throw a tantrum about that. And that brings us into our body. I mean, this sounds extreme the way I'm saying it, but it's, it literally is honoring and seeing like, yes, this is hard. It's hard. And that's all I need to do is just acknowledge that it's hard. And that moment of inner recognition that I'm struggling in an emotion is a version of self-love in that moment. That's what we need more than anything in our emotional experiences, because what most of us got making generalization here was abandonment in the emotions or shame in the emotions. I mean, for empaths specifically. So being able to say in that moment, I have to honor that sometimes it's just a bummer that I have to be human. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, I was just talking about this with my son, you know, he's just graduated high school and he's looking at his future and we were just having a, a really intense conversation one evening, and I said, you know, I I think all of us, to some degree, are looking out at the world for signals that are telling us that we're okay or that we're accepted just as we are. And when we don't receive signals that who we are is okay, we look at ourselves, uh, we look in other places within ourselves or on that tier. You know, we look up, we look down, we look left, we look right. And then when we get a signal that we've been accepted in one of those fields or states, we can make the huge mistake of like just entering and putting all our energy into that one state only to find out that that signal we received was just one one signal. It's not holistic at all. 
And so many of us crash. I mean, it can lead, as you said, lead to depression or just an identity crisis, even horrible relationships because you're one person and then you start to go, hey, I need to be my my whole self. And then you reveal your whole self and it doesn't work. You know, and you're like, oh, no, I was functioning on this one dimension here, energetically, psychologically. I've put all my eggs in this one aspect of me psychologically you know spiritually whatever it may be and now i need to i need to allow you know that to spread out and then you do and the signals are bad mm. oh i don't that, then whatever your main signal source be is is telling you i don't like all these other these other aspects it's not for me and you're like oh that's bad you know it's like you don't know consciously yeah. you're not doing yeah. that but yeah i mean and how many of us are doing that and and then even getting signals uh, energetically, empathically, whatever they may be, and you're not even aware you're getting them. You know, you're mm-hmm. if you're if you're just a wide open like a live wire, and that's a way I've described it for a long time. Like I used to tell Michelle, my wife, I said, I go into a room and I can I can tell you what people taste like in my mouth. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, uh, and I would often tell her, and I I would tell her certain people like those people just are like batteries on my tongue like i just don't want to be around them mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that's the only way i could describe it she's like that's the weirdest thing you always say that i said because it's almost palpable like in my mouth it's a clair it's a it's actually a clair i have to um I can look it up you can look it up i will but if you taste and smell that's interesting and yet you can look it up it's an aspect of of intuition some people um, intuitively get information through the smell, like smell, they'll literally smell grandmother's cologne who mm. hasn't been, you know, on this earth for 20 years or grandmother's perfume or something, you know, they'll smell or they'll get the taste in their mouth. If you Google it, that's look, interesting. Look it I'll up. have to look that yeah. up. Cause I did not, yeah. you know, it's funny how, when we talk or we read a book and especially reading a book like yours and just listening to you talk or, or speak these things out loud today, I get excited, honestly, because it's so it's a signal. It it truly is. It's one of those signals where you're you are telling me that I'm not that I'm okay. that you're okay. You're telling me I'm okay. Yeah. I I mean, it it makes me feel good. Honestly, that's the truth. You know, it's like, oh, I I get to feel okay. Like I don't have to speak in another language or hide the, you know, make this work for a system that doesn't understand it. I can, yeah. you, know, you can just talk yeah. about it openly. I think and, and that the framework of even knowing that empath exists out there, I think, and, and any other type of framework um, helps people understand, like helps people feel validated in their experience. And through that validation, again, we're not hanging out alone in our experience, disconnected. Yeah. feels like, oh, there, there are people who understand <laughs> right. and get me and see me. And, you know, I can put words to my experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I I wish, uh, I often wish that there were almost like support groups where I lived, like, for that kind of thing. Because, I mean, I know people who go to different types of support groups, and it's really healthy for them. And I'm like, man, I would love to find that, you know, like. uh, Oh, you should be in my, (laughs) you should join my Divine Healing Inner Circle. We're we, it's a big, I talk about this, and it's a monthly membership. We do a big Divine Healing. It's a guided healing. And then we have, we have a mid-month discussion. And, oh. 
people love it. They love it. They feel that they're like, I found my soul pod. People feel that way all the time. Yeah. I loved hearing. I like that soul pod. That's beautiful. How does that feel to you? I mean, it must be rewarding, right? I mean, to you just spiritually or, or, or any other way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, here's the interesting thing is that I, I mean, I think part of my overly empathic experience for myself came out of not really owning my gift, knowing I was there, it was there and operating from it, but really believing it was for other people. Ah. It, it wasn't, you know, I could get in front of people and facilitate healing, facilitate guidance, but it wasn't, it, it wasn't for me. You know, I, I made sure people knew that they were being taken care mm. of and receiving this work, but I could stay somewhat separate. And what I started to realize over the, this is amidst, you know, understanding empath. And I, I, you know, I I didn't call myself an empath before five years ago, four years ago. I was just, I was an, an intuitive energy healer. But what started to happen is the more I included myself and my humanity in the experience of being able to support others, the more human I was, the more, the better teacher I was, hmm. you know, and just being a human being and being able to, you know, meet somebody in my own humanity, people felt that they, you know, they, they felt that I, you know, that there wasn't someone preaching to them. Yeah. It was that Wendy's real grounded. And so when I answer your question, I would say it does feel good. And I, it's taken me a long time to get there to say, you know, I feel so full of joy and love and support for the group. It's amazing that I've worked hard on creating this for, for them. And we've done it together too. It's been co-creative. I, I love, I mean, I can see your body language and your face and just say, Doug, I can tell it's, it's actually exciting. And you know, I will say it's hopeful to listen to you say that because there's people out there, maybe listeners that are like me who haven't quite got to that place yet. And, and it has a lot to do with what you just said. I mean, I can relate to that where I have, um, have almost this rule that I've set where it has to be about others, you know, and I'm meant to take in or feel what they feel so I can help them through or be I always said to my wife, it said, like, I feel like um, we have shrimp boats around here. And so I feel like mm-hmm. shrimp boats, yeah. they put their wings out, you know, and they go out in the ocean and then they just drag them. And now sometimes there's a boot in there you know, or a tire, mm. they're out there to get shrimp, but they come back with things that aren't good. Right. And I said, that's yeah. kind of what it feels like. Like, I feel like that, like I'm going out here, I'm going to open my wings, but I catch all this other stuff. And then when I close them back, I'm bring, I'm like literally bringing it back in, but it's, I got, I'm trying to learn that I need to do that for myself. Like I actually need to think about adding myself to the equation like what is this part that's going to keep me healthy too and and i hope that i can find that as i keep working through that you know one of the tools that i offer in the book is the connection to our inner child and as a as an ongoing relationship as an as a way to be integrated in ourselves and some you know i think the inner child concept can be sometimes triggering for people or sometimes unclear what is that and it really is an aspect of our intuition it's 
it's the part of us that's connected to our emotional needs, met or unmet. And so, so sometimes when we leave a situation, I think a simple, powerful question is to ask the inner child inside. I, I feel it sometimes lower. I visualize it lower in my body, but sometimes it's in my heart or somewhere else. But the question is, what do you need, mm. inner child? It's another way of saying, what do I need in this moment? And then mindful of our transitions. Okay, I need to close the door to that, you know, social engagement I was just at. I'm going to get in the car. I'm going to take some deep breaths. I'm going to shower light from my through my body. I'm going to send everybody's energy back to them with blessings. Thank you for the joy and the fun. And you, it was a great conversation. You still need to go home with your own energy as I go home with my own energy. And we, we have these sort of cleansing maintenance you know, rituals that we do before we, we go to the next, you know, to the next thing. Otherwise we're trailing, mm. you know, we're trailing energy from this to this and it doesn't get processed. Ah, or moved. Yes. It just gets, like you said, dragged by the shrimp boat. You yeah, know, we need along. like a wading pool or something between those things. Yeah. I, I get it. I mean, and we live in such a fast paced system so often to where it's like you're moving yeah. from, moment to moment to moment i am trying to learn i mean it's like a health thing i mean i've even yeah. even restructured my job you know my day job in a way to where i'm going look i can't go from one meeting to the other and then another yeah. and then another I, i've got yeah. to have a palate cleanser if i'm going to be any good and it isn't just mentally yeah. good i mean i need to feel right again you know, because yeah. I, I still haven't learned how to leave a space and not carry away the things from that space. I'm still learning, you know, that's it. And it's practice, I guess. And awareness. It's practice. Yeah. Grounding to the grounding cord. I talk about that in the book, but yeah. just visualizing that let energy dump down, you know, let it use it as a depository. Right. Energy that's not needed. Yeah. And mm -hmm. the earth and natural spaces are really good at yeah. doing that for us. I mean, it really is. Absolutely. And I'm happy. I know it. Hey there, Good News listener. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed producing it. Now, it's time for the Fishing for Goodies segment, where I turn my interviewer role over to the Good News Fishbowl. Longtime listeners know that the Fishbowl contains over 400 unique questions, many seated by you, the listeners. Did you know that you could submit unique questions to the Fishbowl? That's right. Just call the Good News Hotline at 802-459-1668 to have your question added. You can also visit findthegood.news and send me an email. Now, let's take that dive into the fishbowl. I've enjoyed this so much. I know, same. Yeah, it's always great to talk to someone that I can just go, ah, oh, like it sort of lets my... <laughs> lets me just sort of out a little bit you know yeah so yeah there is a part of the show at the very end that i give up my interviewer role and then i pull out this fish bowl right here it's got a bunch uh -huh. of mystery questions in it and then i draw three okay. questions and we'll see what it okay what it provides so yeah all right all right i've grabbed the handful of questions here let's see what happens okay well, this is kind of relevant and current. So what lessons did you learn this past year and how have you grown and improved? 
So when I think about this past year, it was clearly pandemic year and 2020. Um, I some of one lesson I've learned is being being um, being okay being grounded at home ah. with my family. Like that, as as difficult as it was, there was a blessing in being able to be home in you know with the family and my daughter, more time with my daughter. Um, I also really grew around a, being able to work with some of the major civil rights issues and mm. bring them into energy healing and support people of all race, all gender, and feeling safe in the space for energy healing. And that that took me a lot of dismantling of my own biases and really seeing, seeing them um, and confronting them and processing my own shame around what was inherent for me and um, and and really being able to have hold and have growth around that space to be able to support uh, you know a community that my school of intuitive studies community and our you know my healing communities to be able to um, to heal around what we've internalized. I think those are those are there's I could say more, but those are some pretty big pieces that I, I really felt growth in. And I love that year. too, because I mean, it, it's exactly what I guess I brought to the table from the beginning is like, how do we be in the real world as it is? And what you're talking about is exactly that. You know, how do I take this, um, this that I have developed and then apply this towards what's going on in my society and my culture? That's really a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's very confronting work, but good. It was good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I like, I feel good about, like, uh, confident in being able to be okay in the confronting work. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's that's hard work too. Some of us are um, not good at that, you know. And I've been I, in the past. Yeah. I've not been good at that. I'm going to oh, avoidance because it's safer. You know, but yeah, yeah, to be able to go head all head head into something like that and you know put the bow into the wind. Yeah. I like that. This is a little more simple question here. Uh, What do the first 30 minutes of your typical day look like? Um, The first 30 minutes typically is some form of meditation. So I do seated meditation. I guess I'll say it this way. It depends on where I end up in my house. I have a (laughs) six-year-old, to be honest, who wakes up in the middle of the night. And so sometimes in the morning, I don't know whose room I'm waking up. (laughs) I relate 100%. I do. I do. I totally get it. Yeah. (laughs) My husband's asleep. Then where do I go? So I find my spot. So usually it's, it's, um, it's about... 30 minutes or 20 minutes of meditation. And then I, I do do some type of physical activity in the morning, even if, you know, just a walk or something. Yeah. I love that. And I, I'm laughing because I, my evenings are almost always exactly what you just described. My son, his sleep schedule is all messed up, especially in the summer and from the pandemic, you know, and being home so much. And it's the same thing. He likes a sleeping buddy. And so depending on what his is, is where I end up. Now, my wife, she stays in the bed, but I'm the one that's kind of like bouncing around. around. Sometimes I'm on the floor. Sometimes I'm on the couch. And I'm with you. It's like depending on where I'm at is what I'll do in the morning, you know, the way I enter my day. And it's not always consistent. (laughs) 
I know. I know. It is, it's always relieving to hear other parents in oh, the yeah. same boat. <laughs> I know. I think that, too. I think, God, is this just me? But no, we're, we're not alone. Uh, I love migrating at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is the last of the fishbowl questions. If you could only keep three things from your home, why would you pick them? Material things? Yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's, that's probably interesting. hard, huh? I have never thought yeah. about that before. Uh, does there have to be soul depth to this question? No, not at all. <laughs> this is just this is on the ground. <laughs> yeah, well, I think my computer would have to be one of them. Unfortunately, because that's a big mode of communication to the world. Um, it also would probably be my guitar. Oh, right on. Which is a, a big part of my history as a musician, um, which I never get to do because I'm a parent. I need 20 more hours in every day to, to play it. I understand. <laughs> totally. Time. And then the third, um, I don't know, maybe some, I mean, maybe some, maybe clothing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if it's like, I mean, you have to think like, what's the situation here? Like how much time do I have to pick these things? Yeah. But to narrow it down to three would be hard. I really think it would be hard. Yeah, I know that would be hard. It's interesting what you said about your guitar, because that actually is really awesome that that's one of the things that you'd want to take. And I get what you mean, like hobbies. Yeah, I have them, but I'm like, it depends on who whose hobby I'm not invested in besides my own, how much time I get, you know, for my hobby. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. It's always been a sacred sort of portal for me, you know, music when I... I don't get to play that often anymore just because of my schedule and parenting. But when I do that, that's how I see it. Like the guitar is the sacred doorway mm, I like into that. that time and that creative process. And, it's so interesting. Yeah. I was telling my wife, we were out again in the same conversation last night, we were talking about prayer and how everybody prays differently. And it's so easy to assume yeah. when you say that word, that it means the same thing. And I said, yeah. you know, I pray by myself and she never sees me. And I said, most of the time I have this little drum I've had since I was like 20 years old and I'll just go sit alone and I'll, I sing holy names and play the drum and just do it <laughs> until I'm laughing and crying. And, and that's how I, I like, that's how I really like to pray. And nobody yeah. sees or hears that, but that little drum means a lot to me, you know, to it's got gets me where I need to be, you know, where I want to be. Yeah. And so I get it. It's like that music, that beat. It's, it's special. It's a door, you know, a tiny little yeah. door. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's so fantastic. I love that for you too. So I have yeah. one last question that I ask and it's not from the fishbowl, but I've asked just about every guest I've ever had. Um, and it's, did anything good happen today? Oh, um, yes, I have to tell you this. So my daughter is in a, uh, a week, she's in a theater camp, a drama camp oh, this cool. week. And she, um, I saw, so she, they asked her which character she wanted to be. It's about taking a story and adapting that story into a performance. And so there's, there's like one main character, this unicorn that has to try and get to the surface of the 
ocean and all these other support supportive characters and she just went for it. she raised her hand and said you know to the teachers that she wanted to be this character oh and that's cool it was so what what it was is just watching her shine like unabashedly say i want to be the main character that's cool yes i could i don't think i that was me no me either me either you know but to have that to watch her do it and to support her in it and to like be proud of her that she just this yes i want to shine with her her way it was just so powerful i can see that that. gosh i mean i can see it in you like when you say it i I get that i I remember when my young my oldest son was very young and he would do that it would it would just make me want to cry just with joy like i'm like oh he's not afraid i'm so proud of him because i I would have been i mean i probably wouldn't have stepped forward and said pick me or let me yeah yeah that's these kids are are, yeah, they're coming in with new, new, new consciousness, new, new lessons for all of us. God, I hope so. I do. I, I that's the, I. <laughs> I tell both the boys all the time, I, I, especially when they're laying down in the evening. My youngest now, when he, when I'm laying with him, I'm like, "You're my big hope, buddy. You know, like you're the next mm-hmm. ones. I mean, you're the hope. Y'all have to mm-hmm. take care of some things we haven't finished. You know, or, or done right. Yeah. 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 So, uh, to wrap it up, uh, I want to make sure that people know the name of the book. It's becoming an empowered empath, and I'm assuming they can get that on your website and so everywhere, right? My website. I don't know if this is visible, but my book. Yes, it's becoming empowered empath. You can get it on wendyderosa.com. It's on Amazon, and if you purchase it on Amazon, I would love it if you went back and wrote a review yeah. to anybody did that it helps a lot for the book to be seen if you wrote a review i also have the school of intuitive studies if you're looking for any training or support and that's into school of intuitive studies.com oh, thank you so much i'm so glad to finally get to talk yeah. to you and I've, you know I've, I've read your book and i've watched your some of your youtube videos and i was i was excited i wasn't sure what how it was going to go like you know i just didn't know what territory but i think we got some really great content today for our listeners absolutely thank you so much for having me it was it felt like a very heart-centered connected conversation thanks for listening to my beacon series conversation with wendy de rosa if you'd like to learn more about wendy's work please visit the link in the show notes if you found something of use in this conversation please share this episode with a friend leave a review or consider visiting findthegood.news donate where you can help me continue this good news mission from the louisiana gulf coast I thank you for pressing play and for syncing up with this good news beacon.